Hey folks, Nia here. The episode you're about to listen to was recorded back on May 18. Given recent events, we felt like we needed to use our platform, this platform, to say a few words about it. We are not using this to add white woman tears to the mix. There's plenty of that. But instead to say, uh, we know black lives matter, indigenous lives matter, Asian lives matter. Such you know, simplistic statements, but it needs to be fucking said right now. If you start to say, but Nia, how can you condone violence? You're missing the point. We have systems of oppression at work that must be torn down if we actually value the lives of people of color. And if you think the nonprofit sector is somehow a sacred space immune from white supremacy, you're wrong. Uh, In the U.S., only 20% of nonprofits are actually led by people of color And if you look at the top, you know, 300 or so um, orgs, that falls to only 10%. There are systems of oppression at play that maintain these leadership structures. Um, I'm going to ask us all to take a moment with some nature sounds and ask the white people to, to take this to really contemplate what actions you're going to take to help dismantle white supremacy in your life. For people of color, you take this moment however you want. You don't need another white person trying to tell you how to live your life. All right. Thanks, y'all, for taking that time. Please keep fighting against white supremacy. Do whatever you can to help dismantle these systems uh, because people's lives literally depend on it right now. And now back to your regular scheduled irreverent look at nonprofits. Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the nonprofit reframe. Happy Monday. It is May 18. Uh, We're recording this one week in advance, um, which means today we released our first live recording as an episode. How cool is that? Holy crap. What a week that was. That was an experience for sure. (laughs) So glad it's behind us. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that whole morning I was just running on adrenaline. I... I don't know what I did the three hours leading up to it. Then we did it. And then I needed about two hours to come down afterwards. <laughs> it's so true. I think neither of us ate anything for most no. of the day. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Well, you know, I was on a coaching call today because I have a business coach and I was on a coaching call with my group and we were sharing our wins for, it's every two weeks. So our wins from the last two weeks. And one woman went before me and she talked about fear and how she was really 
aware of her fear mindset and the coach was speaking to how that's when you know you're in a growth mode when you've got this fear you're pushing the boundaries and so I went exactly and so I went next and I said you know six months ago when we started this podcast I said the scariest thing I'd ever done was recording a podcast episode (laughs) and now that's something that we do weekly and no big, thing. No, big no big thing, but now I can honestly say the scariest thing that I have done is record a live podcast episode on a video call with 25 other people. <laughs> I was telling one of my friends, like a similar experience that it was just so scary and nerve wracking. And they were like, why? It's like not that different. And I was like, okay, first off, people can see you. <laughs> I don't like yep. that. Um, secondly, we couldn't swear. And so in the back of my mind, the entire time we're talking, I'm like trying to ensure that I'm not swearing. You're censoring yourself. Yeah. Yeah, But not even like words I needed to censor, like crap for some reason I couldn't say. (laughs) And it just like takes over my brain. And then you also can't edit, right? Like if we are in the middle of an episode and one of us majorly flubs, a dog starts barking, whatever, we will cut. And then we'll pick up again. You can't do that in the live tape and you just got to roll with it. I mean, that's one of our favorite sayings is we'll edit it in post. Fix it in post. Yeah. Fix it in post. Didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. (laughs) No luxury there with editing. So, oh, well. safety blanket. (laughs) It was what it was. I thought it went great. At the end of the day, it was really fun and it was great practice for us because I know we're going to be doing more stuff like that coming up with conferences that we're involved with and... It's just experience under the belt now. Mm -hmm. Well, I also think it was interesting because it was a mixed audience. Like we know most of the folks listening to this podcast right now, joining us today, um, are nonprofit folks, whether they're staff, board members, volunteers, like they're in the sector. um, And so they're, I don't know, just a bit more aware about the concepts we're discussing. But this is a fully mixed audience. I mean, it was half nonprofit folks, half startup business kind of people. Um, and so it was, it was kind of fun to bring some of these concepts to them, but also like at an elementary school level, like we're not going to jump into calling out DAFs in the middle of one of these presentations. <laughs> sure. But yet. we, d- but we did get real. Well, yeah, we're always going to get real. <laughs> it's not always fluffy and sunshine. <laughs> if it was, it wouldn't be an episode of the nonprofit reframe. Well, if it was, we wouldn't have started this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> So speaking of that, what are we talking about today? Um, well, I, I thought it would just be really fun um, to lay bare consultants. Oh, talk about vulnerability. Let's just throw it out there, right? Like, I, I think it's actually kind of interesting that we haven't talked about it much on the pod. I don't know if like, that's you like trying to brace me from the fact that I'm part of a group of that, that are seen as pariahs. I don't know. (laughs) But consultants are a big part of the sector and we should be talking about it. It's so true. And I don't know, I I definitely wasn't, um, doing that consciously, but maybe subconsciously. (laughs) And I love consultants. So you don't have to protect me today. Let's just throw it all out there. All right. All right. So Consultants. How long have you been a consultant? 
Oh gosh, that's a good question. So we started the company, wait a second, I'm going to get there, October of 2016. And then it became my full-time job, August of 2017. I cannot believe that. I cannot believe it's going on four years. I know. Got to give a special shout out to my friend, Jen, who helped start it all, sitting in a little coffee shop in Lafayette, Colorado, dreaming big dreams and figuring out how to make it work. That's how it always starts, right? Yeah. Well, tell me, I know this isn't a Ask Me Anything episode about Nia, but what I'm just curious, what was your motivation? You know, what really made you want to leave uh, the sector as a staff person and to move to more of a consulting role? Boards. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, so true. Uh, well, uh, so... We'll go back to the origins. My first real nonprofit job was with a nonprofit who had a phenomenal executive director who knew the programs, loved um, loved that side. He worked there for, I think, over 30 years um, and had no idea how to run the business side of things. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it really, it was hard to see it struggle so much um, because it just didn't really know how to operate as a nonprofit. Um, and then as I, I, my husband and I moved to Colorado back in 08, um, and I started working with organizations here, like that story just seemed to be pretty consistent, right? Like these organizations that just had incredible missions, incredible programs, and couldn't figure out how to scale them, couldn't figure out how to achieve sustainability in quotes, obviously, whatever that means, but just, you know, a, a stronger financial position that would allow them to be agile and grow. Um, and so the the feeling of like wanting to help with capacity building started kind of early on. Um, And that's partially why I got my master's. Like I wanted to know what the true best practices were in the sector, how to um, bring those forward. Um, But I also knew I needed to, you know, keep, keep grounded in the sector, get my feet wet. And so I I put in some time um, running a nonprofit, DD nonprofits, um, so that I could really understand it before jumping into consulting, which is going to be my tip number one. Um, and I'm not the first person to say this whatsoever, but the consultants who come straight out of college or straight out of the for-profit world even and into nonprofit consulting, um, I think are, are not very effective, quite frankly. They don't understand what it's like to be working in a sector built on all the things we talk about, right? The scrappiness, the wearing 17 hats, the funder dynamics, yep. the board dynamics. And if you don't understand those things, what, whatever project you're working as on a, as a consultant is just not going to be that effective. Amen you, you, to that. You got to have that like on the ground experience. Um, actually, you know what? Um, throwback to our very first episode in Winners Take All, Anand Jaradadas talks about this, about like the McKinsey consultants who are fresh out of their undergrad or MBA program, never worked for a nonprofit, and yet are going to sit there and tell you how to run yours. I'm sorry, what was the name of that author? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. I did it so it was, quickly. It was so fast. <laughs> As but a, so smooth. I was like, oh, she's been practicing that. I, have, I watched YouTube videos of him saying his own name to try to get it right. Good. <laughs> Thanks for calling me out on that. I'm sorry. I had to. I couldn't let it slide. Oh. It was just ripe. It was right there. 
Um, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've worked with a lot of different consultants um, throughout my career, and you're exactly right. I mean, the ones that haven't actually experienced what we're talking about, I don't, you just can't relate, you know, you can't relate. And the last thing, the last thing I personally want is somebody coming in and giving me advice on how to do something who's never done it themselves. Yeah. Yeah, the ivory tower consultants, like, fuck off. I don't have time for that shit. Exactly. What, because you worked for some Fortune 500 company, now you think you know how to run a nonprofit? Fuck you. Right. No. <laughs> so let's start with the good, and then we can go to the bad, because I know we both have some really good bad stories. <laughs> can you share uh, a, a good experience you've had with an external consultant? Sure. I mean, I think the best experiences that I've had with external consultants are ones that after coming in and talking to staff and even before they talk to the board, but then after they talk to the board, they recognize the inherent dynamics and they help us navigate those. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but... You know, someone who comes in and says, okay, I see what's going on here. Let's talk about what you're trying to accomplish. And then we're going to come alongside you and be this sort of third party voice to help move everybody in that direction. Yeah. And a lot of times that's what it is, right? It's needing somebody. Yes. Yes. Their expertise is a big part of it. But it's also just about having somebody um, impartial mm-hmm. because you need that voice to come in and and have no ties to any of the teams. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a survivor and like everybody's teaming up and and so everybody can hear it. You make it sound a lot more cutthroat than I've experienced. <laughs> Oh, well. (laughs) But no, I I totally appreciate what you mean. Right? Like, there are also different roles consultants play. Like, there are the times where you're coming in and actually doing an assessment, whether it's um, for fundraising, feasibility for something, program evaluation, right? Like, you're you're actually providing this third-party lens on something the organization's doing. And then there are the times where you're facilitating conversations, um, facilitating processes so that the the internal team, uh, whether it's board or staff, can really come together and decide amazing things. Um, and Potentially mediating. Yeah, and potentially mediating. Yeah. Uh, there have been board retreats I've facilitated with tears, not just my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, this stuff gets hard and sometimes you need to have an, a, somebody external to be part of ensuring that voices can all be heard. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, what the best experiences that I've had with consultants are where I feel like they become part of the team. Yeah. Wanted to say on my side, that's the most fulfilling too. Right. Yeah. How about, um, some, some bad ones? Um, well, and I don't even know, there's two parts to this because Ones that in my head I would categorize as bad ones is not fully a reflection 
of the consultant themselves. So I've had consultants come in who have done their job, but, and maybe this isn't fair, but they were brought in under shitty circumstances. Mm-hmm. So where, um, you know, a big pet peeve of mine is when people don't recognize the knowledge that is already in the building. Oh, Yes. And so it's like, let's spend 10 grand to bring a consultant in to tell us something we already fucking know. Yeah. And that drives me crazy. Um, And I understand that sometimes it just has to be that way. That's the Mm -hmm. way, the only way anybody's going to believe it or understand it or go forward. But um, so it's not so much on the part of the consultant, but there's just not a lot of buy-in to begin with from staff for them to be there. Well, I think there though, whatever consultant you were working with lost an opportunity to build a trusting relationship with you. Oh, right? like, true. It is not uncommon that I sit down with the ED, the DD, et cetera. And I say, what have you already told your board that I can reiterate? Nice. Right. Like I want you to share that with me because I know that's, that's a big part of why I'm there. Right. It's just to, to like validate what the staff has already said. But the fact that you didn't feel bought into that process means that the consultant had some work they should have been doing there to ensure that you really felt supported by them. Yeah. Well, and that's probably true. I mean, I'm thinking back to those people and they didn't become part of the team. Yeah. They just came in and quote unquote did their job Mm -hmm. and gave the information. But in those instances, um, the information was never really utilized then. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I have made that mistake in the past too, especially when I was first starting out and I would not properly scope projects, right? So like an ED says, we need you to assess this one thing. And I'm like, okay, this is what it'll cost for me to assess that one thing. Not realizing, okay, well, I need to ensure that there's buy-in. So I need to build in extra meetings with these people and right. I need, you know, loop backs as the process is going forward. And so I end up with a project that is actually one and a half times what I originally thought and scoped to ensure that everybody is really actively part of it and bought into whatever the end result is. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that, that pre-work is so important because the other times I've had consultants that were not really effective at all is when they didn't take the time to do that pre-work. And some of that pre-work is just even getting an understanding of the culture of the organization. Yep. And this person came in and said a lot of fairly offensive things. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, not in a, I mean, just in a not recognizing that this organization is very socially justice oriented. Mm -hmm. And you can't be making sexist comments. Right. Like, you think it's funny and nobody's laughing. And in fact, everybody stopped listening. Yeah. You know, and had they done their research beforehand and met with the people that they should meet with, they would have known that yeah. and they could have tailored their approach, uh, more effectively. Tailored, you mean not be sexist? Exactly. Like, <laughs> let's just leave that at the door. <laughs> I, I do think you bring up a really good point there though. I, I've seen consultants who come over from even other parts within the sector, like, you know, somebody who works more in the art space that is now coming over and working with the human services organization. Or university. Like, or university. Oh my gosh. 
and like can't adjust to the scope, the scale, or like the, the social justice piece of it all. Um, I, this was gosh, a bajillion years ago. Um, and truthfully, I cannot even remember the consultant's name, even I want, if I wanted to call them out because it was so long ago and I have forgotten them. Um, but they were coming into our organization that was working with a highly vulnerable population. And, uh, they, they hadn't like done research on language, on like how we work with other nonprofits. So they were throwing our partners under the bus, um, in an attempt to like make us look better. And we're like, that this is truly an ecosystem, right? Like we rely on each other to make all this work. And so what was supposed to be this, you know, strategic discussion ended up being us educating the consultant. Oh, it was awful. And you just leave feeling like, why did we just pay for that? Well, I was going to say, then you just pay so much money for it. Yeah. Money that you was probably not originally in your budget in the first place. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, what about you from the consultant's point of view? I mean, you've made a couple comments um, relating to your own experience, but what are some more stories of instances with organizations and clients where it's worked really well and then where it hasn't? And what were the differences? I think the best working relationship with a client from the consultant side um, starts with a lot of clarity. You know, what is this process able to achieve? What is it not? You know, because we, even in the initial conversations, you start with, here's pie in the sky, what we're hoping. And then, okay, here's what we can afford, which is a a tier down. And then here's what's actually (laughs) feasible, which is a tier below that even. Um, Right. And then it's also really based on trust and honesty. Um, I had a client and and the project actually ended up great, but we had a big pivot, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) big pivot, uh, really early in the process. Um, we were doing some fundraising assessment kind of stuff and, uh, I had had multiple conversations with them and we had, you know, started off what, what kind of barriers do you think we're going to have? either to this process or to implementing this kind of fundraising. And it wasn't until a good month and a half in that they finally told me that um, there was a major upheaval with the staff a couple years back and their supporters still didn't trust them. And like they regularly got that feedback. People would post on their social media. And I was like, oh, okay, see, this is the kind of stuff I need to know because people don't donate to a nonprofit they don't trust. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what magnificent fundraising strategy I put together for you. This isn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, I think, uh, we ended up in a great place. We are able to work through that, but I, I wish we had uncovered it sooner. Um, and I'm sure there's some things I could have done to ensure that that had occurred. Um, but you know, just be honest. I mean, I, I love the conversations where, uh, an executive director, a board member, a DD will call me and be like, can I just like lay it bare? I'm like, yes, tell me what is going on. I don't want to walk into the room and not know about board dynamics. I don't want to know that these two people actually hate each other and are likely to get in an argument. Like I need to know those things so I can effectively facilitate this process. So just, just lay it out there for me, please. That's such a great note for anybody who's listening, who's in an organization, who's thinking of hiring a consultant or a contractor, that you do have that transparency and that discussion up front. 
It doesn't mean that you need to drag them through all the mud that's going on within the organization, but definitely the dynamics that would impede progress and that would be better to know about beforehand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you think it's going to be something that comes up in the process, let the consultant know. Right. Straightforward. Now, of course, I've worked with a lot of consultants too. I mean, I continue to sit on boards where we bring in facilitators, uh, I worked in nonprofits for a number of years too. So, um, you know, I, I know how, how tricky it is to find one that you feel like is going to work for you and your organization. Um, I also know that, uh, I had sticker shock, right? Like the first time I got a proposal from my favorite consultants in town and I realized what it really cost. Um, so feel free to like go out and get a few and understand what the market is for that kind of work. Uh, cause it's, it's not inexpensive, um, but hopefully it's massively valuable. Well, yeah. And, you know, I made the comment about not recognizing the kind of brain trust that you have within your own organization. But that being said, there are a lot of skill sets that nonprofits don't have internally because of all the reasons that we've discussed about wearing 10 different hats. And so everybody knows kind of like a quarter of everything, you know, I may not know everything about IT, but like we said, I can unplug and restart and, you know, that sort of thing. So having help in the areas that you really need it. I mean, one that we always talk about, um, when you and I are talking is, uh, human resources. I mean, I've never worked at an organization that had an actual human resources department. Um, Most of the time, that's what kind of the finance person did too, which I thought was so interesting. So, you know, when you're looking at redoing your policies, you know, and I mean, it's so valuable to have somebody that is an expert in that area to be able to help you through that process. And it's going to be worth the money, Because Mm -hmm. it's going to lay a foundation that you're going to be able to build upon, you know, moving forward as you scale your organization. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, this made me think of, um, you know, consultants kind of staying in their lane. Um, I'm actually, I I get requests pretty frequently from folks for HR support. And yeah, like I manage the team. I've written handbooks for staff. I am not an HR consultant. And so ethically, I I won't take on those jobs. I'm happy to refer them out. I I send them to colleagues of mine who I trust in that space. Um, But I'm a fundraising and board governance consultant. Um, That doesn't mean that I can't read financials or that I don't understand evaluation data. Like in a generalist perspective, I can do all those things, but I'm not going to take on a project that does that uh, because that's not what I do. That's not what, that's not what's in my wheelhouse. Right. Even if I know how those should operate, that doesn't mean I have the templates and the worksheets and things I do for the governance and fundraising stuff. Um, so this is a call out to, to consultants out there. Know what you do. Do it well. And refer out the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Stop wow. taking on projects that you can't handle. Yeah, that's a great point. I have unfortunately worked with the consultants. I, I'll call them hack consultants who, you Ooh. know, a, proposal comes forward, they're like, yeah, I'm sure I can figure out how to do this. And they move forward and somehow they get the job. And then it's a struggle through the whole thing. And then the worst part is I'm on that board and guess what? I have to take over the project midway through because it fucking falls apart. (laughs) 
<laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> this is totally hypothetical. Totally. Just as a for instance. <laughs> oh, that's funny and sad. I know. I know you've been there. Well, and I think back to the HR thing, I mean, think about the things that are foundational. That is, um, if you can get your ducks in a row per se in that area, whether it's HR or evaluation or having a fundraising strategy and plan that you can build upon year over year. I mean, those are the things that you're going to be making that money back so quickly, both through fundraising, but also just through uh, staff retention. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. So we've had a couple takeaways or takeaways to organizations, be transparent, um, open and honest with the consultants that you're working with. Takeaway with consultants, uh, be clear about what you specialize in and don't try to be a Jack or Jane of all trades unless you have that whole tool belt, but I doubt it. I, I mean, who is that person? I don't know. If you are that person, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Email us at nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. And then any other takeaways that you can think of? I, I think just to highlight one of the things you said earlier, you know, leverage consultants to really help grow and scale, you know, like find those areas where you don't have the internal capacity, you don't have the internal skills and find somebody external who can really come in and help. Um, I know right now that's uh, a challenge for some organizations, um, but I think there's also opportunity in that. Um, you know, I was just talking to a client who had to downsize some positions and um, they were asking me to actually help set up a contract with one of their former employees to come back and provide some, you know, limited support. So I think there are some ways that you can be, uh, creative is not the right word. I don't know. But you know, there are ways that you can really use consultants to ensure that your organization um, can grow its capacity. And I'm going to say this because Nia would never say this, but I know that her business, um, it is successful due to client referrals and word of mouth. So uh, on behalf of all of the amazing consultants that out there, if you do work with someone that you really love, you know, tell your colleagues at other nonprofits about them and their services so we can keep them in business because oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's tough to go out on your own and then, you know, yeah, being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Speaking of scary, being an entrepreneur and in charge of all your income and yeah. So got to keep those contracts coming. Keep those referrals. I mean, but not to mission launch right now, please. I, I don't have capacity. <laughs> Speaking of scaling. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. That's another episode. <laughs> Actually, I hired a consultant to help with that. Funny enough. Look at that. See? Yeah. Full circle. Full circle. All right. Well, I think that's it. How can people get in touch with us? You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, at Nonprofit Reframe. Or you can email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Also, I just want to say on air, we hit over 3,000 downloads, right? Yeah, we did. Hell yeah. Woo! woo! 
And you know what? I went back and saw an email that I sent to someone telling them we had started this podcast and we had hit 300 downloads. Oh, that's so sweet. Little baby podcast. Little baby podcast. So please tell your friends, speaking of referrals, Mm -hmm. um, subscribe. Subscribe. We love you so much. We're so thankful to have this opportunity to do this. And of course, if you have capacity, we recognize this is a very challenging time for many, but if you are one of those people that has capacity, this is the time to step up and support your local nonprofits. Please give and give generously. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.